Good day and welcome to the ESPN Media Conference Call with NFL Draft Analyst Mel Kuyper, Jr. Today's conference is being recorded, and at this time I'd like to turn the conference over to Ms. Allie Stoneberg. Please go ahead, ma'am. Thanks so much, Tom, and hello, everyone. Thank you for spending part of your afternoon on the phone with us. If you haven't seen it yet, Mel Kuyper's NFL Mock Draft 2.0 is available on ESPN.com. And before we get started, just a reminder to please help us keep this call efficient. In respect for your time and for Mel's, if you would skip the hi, hellos, or other personal greetings and begin right away with your question, that would be great. We'll start with Eric Branch at the San Francisco Chronicle, followed by Daryl Slater with the Newark Star-Ledger. Hey, Mel, just going uh, with the 49ers, um, among other needs, they could really use a, a pass rusher, but it seems like obviously Chubb will be off the board. Are they in a bit of a no-man's land picking at 9 or 10? In well, I think they, they need that number one pass rusher, Eric, but they, you know, Marcus Davenport could be a possibility, the defensive end from Texas San Antonio. But I think if you look at who the best player is in a positional need area, they could look at a wide receiver like Calvin Ridley, or they could look at the cornerback Denzel Ward. I think both those kids you know, fill need areas uh, for the 49ers. So uh, it depends upon you know, how they're going to view it, who the highest-rated player is on their board at that time, whether it's Ward or whether it's Ridley. We'll go to Daryl Slater, followed by Nate Albert with the Akron Beacon Journal. Mel, say the Jets are able to sign Kirk Cousins uh, and then Minka Fitzpatrick is off the board when they come up at number six. Who do you think are some possibilities there for them at corner, and, and would Ward be too short, do you think, to work in Todd Bowles' system? Yeah, some would, would, uh, would have a problem with that because of the height issue there and the size issue there with Ward. But, you know, if you look at the guy that if you move down, the guy that I think would fit that mold would be Josh Jackson from Iowa, but he's projected into the 20s. So uh, it just depends on how they feel about Ward. I think that would be a little early for me. Uh, I think he's maybe the 11th best player, and you don't take the 11th best player with a, a sixth pick. You want to get a guy inside your top five where you want to trade down. So uh, I think that would be a, kind of a quandary for the Jets at that point. We'll go to Nate Ulrich, followed by Ken Sugera with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hey, Mel, I wanted to ask you about the Browns at number four. Um, if, you know, they take a quarterback at one and, and Barkley and Fitzpatrick are there at four, uh, what do you think would be the wiser move for them? And, you know, considering what the rest of the class looks like at those positions and knowing that they they have those early second-round picks, too. Yeah, I don't, I don't be very surprised if Barkley and Fitzpatrick would both be there at four because uh, they're two of the best five players in this draft. Um, but if they are both there, that, that's a tough call. I mean, Fitzpatrick could be a centerpiece of your, of your secondary, obviously. He can play anywhere you want him to play. Um, and then uh, certainly uh, Barkley would give you the run-catch-block uh, option at running back, which would be an upgrade, obviously, losing with Crowell as a free agent. So, And you're helping out your young quarterback, and you're finishing off that, that offensive side of the ball. So I think and they need a wide receiver at some point, obviously. But uh, I think that would be a tough that's, – that's just the decision that their new GM, John Dorsey, would have to make. If you're looking at Fitzpatrick and Barkley, if you're taking the quarterback at one, you've got to feel pretty good if you're the Cleveland Browns. We'll go to Ken Sugera, followed by Kelly Lyle with the Coloradoans. Hey, Mel. Um, I had a question for you about Georgia Tech and, and any prospects they have. I know it's not a, a deep group, but I was wondering who you thought might have a chance to get in the camp. Well, I think Ricky June is the, is the most interesting one, uh, the wide receiver, because they've had a history of producing some wide receivers. Obviously, you know who the big names were. Um, and I think he is a guy that he fights for the ball. He, he makes plays after the catch. He'll block very effectively. I think Ricky June is that under-the-radar wide receiver. Somebody's going to get probably day three that I think could have a nice career in the NFL. We'll go to Kyle Weil, followed by Suzanne Halliburton with the Austin American Statesman. Uh, yeah, Mel, I just wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on Colorado State receiver Michael Gallup and where you think he fits in. You know, Gallup right now, uh, you know, when you look at the receivers, is the 10th highest rated receiver. And that projects him into the third round. Um, you know, but he certainly, I thought, held his own and did a nice job at the senior bowl practice. They had a drop, but that's, you're going to have that. You've got new, new entities down there, and you're adjusting to that, uh, the pressure-packed environment. But I think he's, a, at, at worst, probably a three or a four. Could be a two. Uh, but he certainly, I think, uh, has helped himself. If he has a good combine, uh, the second round is not out of the realm of possibility. 
We'll go to Suzanne Halliburton, followed by Jim Wyatt with Titans Online. Hey, Melanetta, you've got three Big 12 players in your um, first round in today's on today's ESPN. Um, do you see any other Big 12 players possibly getting into the first round, including a guy like Connor Williams? Yeah, he was borderline. Williams was. Uh, yeah, as a left tackle or guard, he certainly uh, you know had a chance. I think had he played all year and not had the injury, uh, would have been in the first round definitely. But you know, he had the injury, uh, didn't play in a bowl game. But I think he's the kind of guy. Uh, I think you look at. Probably no later than the early to mid second round, but I thought I almost, in fact I had him into Philadelphia and took him out at the end. So yeah, he's he's one of those guys like Mike McGlinchey, the tackle at Notre Dame. There's a couple offensive linemen from major schools that right now are on the cusp of being late ones, early twos. We'll go to Jim Wyatt, followed by Ryan Mink with BaltimoreRavens.com. I noticed you had a Titan switch in at 25 from an edge rusher and Harold Landry to a running back in Ronald Jones. Can you talk maybe about your thought process there? If Matt Jones, who are some other running backs that could be in play at 25 for the Titans? Well, he was a Darius Geist from LSU or Ronald Jones would be too. And I gave Geist the, the Detroit Lions at 20. And that allowed uh, Jones to get down there at 25, obviously with the Marco Murray status to see what he comes back. And then you have Henry, who you could use a nice compliment for Henry, would be Ronald Jones II. So he had a great year at USC. He's a smooth runner. He's versatile as well. Uh, I think that would be a nice pick over a player like Landry, who's not a guaranteed first-round pick. He's more of a two right now. Ryan Mink is up, and then we'll go to Colleen Kane with the Chicago Tribune. Mel, what, what makes you pick Orlando Brown over McGlinchey and Connor Williams? And for the Ravens, uh, once again, it's all about targets. What target could make sense for the Ravens in the second or third round? Yeah, I went with Brown because he's a right tackle. He's a mauler. He's the road grader. He would be next to Yonda and do a great job, whereas Williams is a left tackle guard. McGlinchey is a right tackle from two years ago. And, uh, you know, he's a left tackle this year, and he struggled. And edge guys, quick edge guys gave him trouble. I thought Brown... Uh, when you look back at all the tape, and I did that over the last three weeks, I thought Brown was a slightly better player. That's why I gave the edge to him. And then in the second round, you could look at a wide receiver like D.J. Moore from Maryland or a Dante Pettis from Washington. That uh, would be a nice option at that point. I already mentioned Michael Gallup from Colorado State, James Washington, Oklahoma State, if he were still there. I think it's going to be a really good year for wide receivers in the second, third, fourth, fifth round. Uh, but I only see right now one guaranteed first-round receiver, which is Ridley. So it's a, it's a bad year for receivers in the first round, a really good year for receivers in the second through fifth round. Colleen Kane is up, and then we'll go to Dwayne Rankin with the Montgomery Advertiser. Timbo, what separates Quentin Nelson from other offensive linemen in this draft? He's, he just watch him. He just he just destroys people at the collegiate level. And uh, you know, he's Steve Hutchinson. I think is a guy who came out of Michigan. Was a good comp. Had a great career in the NFL. I went back and looked at their size, their their strength, all their their physical attributes, athletic uh, numbers, and they were very comparable. So I think if you can get a Steve Hutchinson with Quentin Nelson, the team address him, if whether it's Tampa Bay at seven, I think they're going to be very happy about that pick. Next is Dwayne Rankin, and then we'll go to Jamison Hensley with ESPN Baltimore. Uh, yes, Mel, just two things. One, um, looking at the Alabama players going to the combine, which one has the most to gain in the combine? And two, uh, looking at Lamar Jackson, what what is it that he doesn't have that's even making people say, okay, well, he maybe should switch a position or play wide receiver? What does, what does he have at the quarterback? That's making people feel like he should play another position in the NFL. Well, it's the accuracy throwing the football. You know, he finished his career around 57%. So, you know, you can throw passes to, to you know to wide open receivers and, uh, and in the I call them in the area throws. In college, you can't get away with that in the NFL. But he's got talent. And he's like, I remember Rich Gannon when he came out of Delaware. It was a, a similar entity. They said, great athlete. We can make him a DB or a receiver. And he developed into a heck of a quarterback. So if you give uh, Lamar Jackson time is a second-round pick. I think there's some ch- a chance he could be an effective starter down the road. You always have that fallback plan, though, with Lamar Jackson because of his athleticism to maybe be a wide receiver. But we don't know if he can do that. We don't know if he wants to do that. So if you draft him, I think you're going to have to draft him as a quarterback. And like I say, wide receiver would be a fallback plan. An Alabama player with a lot of games is Ronnie Harrison, the safety. Nice player. There's not a lot of safeties that are projected in the first couple rounds. And, you know, after Minka Fitzpatrick, and you could project him at corner. Then Derwin James, he could settle in as the third safety. Your second safety and be maybe an early second round pick. 
Next is Jameson Hensley and then Brady Henderson with ESPN Seattle. Now, I know you mentioned how it's a bad year for wide receivers in the first round. Do you see anybody that could impress at the combine that could really significantly improve their stock? And you know, who could see that do that the most, improve their stock at the combine as far as well, short, lastly, the wide receiver UCLA has first-round talent. Uh, he had the off-the-field issue. I think if he interviews well and they do their due diligence and they come out, they can reconcile all that and they're satisfied with all that. Then Jordan Lastly from UCLA uh, could be a first-round uh, you know, pick. I mean, he's a first-round talent now. So I think the combine for him will be very important. We'll go to Brady Henderson and then Ben Swanson with DenverBroncos.com. Hey, Mel, uh, a two-part question about Derwin James. One, how often did you see him play in the box at Florida State? And also, if the Seahawks decide to trade down in the first round, which they've done quite a bit, how late could you potentially see Derwin James still available? Well, I think he could be there, you know, for Seattle would be a real good pick because he's a guy that can go down in the box. He's a, he's a Cam Chancellor type. You know, he had the bad injury two years ago, came back from it. Uh, I think at Seattle at 18, the, you know, you're talking about the Legion of Boom. You're kind of Legion of Boom 2. You're trying to develop that, and I think he would be a good fit for Seattle for that reason. Uh, that's what he is. He certainly fits them perfectly. He's not a guy that's going to fit everybody. So I think for Derwin James, to see him at 18, the guy that was projected as the top five to top ten pick back in August, be a pretty good selection. We'll go to Ben Swanson and then Scott Petrak with the Chronicle Telegram. Mel, how fixable do you think Sam Darnold's turnover problems are, and why did you select him to the Broncos over Baker? Well, I think in terms of what John Elway's looking for, I think you know Sam Darnold could be in the mix to be the number one pick overall, which he is. Um, if you look at Sam, you mentioned the, the turnovers and the bad habits. Yeah, you can excuse away some of it to new receivers and new offensive linemen, but some are unforced errors. And I think that the bad habit was holding the ball like a loaf of bread in the pocket, turning the ball over with the fumbles, and not stepping up in some of their big games against Washington State, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. Uh, that's an issue, not the regressing from what we saw two years ago when he looked like the guaranteed number one pick. But he's a talented kid. He's a great kid, a very hard worker, throws really well on the move, very accurately on the move, throws with anticipation. I thought he played great that Texas game in September. He looked like everything you wanted a number one pick to be. And then, for whatever reason, the wheels came off a bit. But, uh, you know, you, know, you, could, you, you could make certainly a strong argument he could be the number one pick in the draft. But I just think, you know, after all said and done, you know, not having the kind of year expected will hurt him a bit in the evaluation process. Scott Petrak is up, and then we'll go to Bill Rabinowitz with the Columbus Dispatch. Hey, depending on what the Browns wind up doing in the top five, who do you think the best corners, safeties, and running backs should be available for them when they're picking in the second round at 33 and 35? Yeah, I think you would look at whether Darius Geis from LSU or Ronald Jones from USC. One of those two could be. If not, then you're looking at Rashad Penny from San Diego State or, or uh, Sony Michelle from Georgia. Uh, ball security with Michelle, the fumbles, he's got to clean that up. Penny is a versatile all-around back from San Diego State. So uh, I think those would be the guys there. And the secondary, in terms of cornerback and safety, I would think second round would be, M- early second, would be M.J. Stewart from North Carolina, uh, Carlton Davis from Auburn, Isaiah Oliver from Colorado, Jair Alexander from Louisville. Second round safeties, as I mentioned, Ronnie Harrison from Alabama, uh, Terrell Edmonds from Virginia Tech would be another. We'll go to Bill Rabinowitz, followed by Mark Vaughn. Mel, what do you think of J.C. Barrett as an NFL prospect? And also, I noticed you only have one Ohio State player, Denzel Ward, in your first round. Are there other guys that can make a push for that? Yeah, I think Billy Price certainly uh, you know, could, um, you know, with his versatility to play center or guard. Uh, I think Tyquan Lewis, Sam Hubbard. And Jalen Holmes will be guys that people certainly have a strong interest in as pass rushers. Uh, but in terms of Barrett, I, I think he's a developmental guy. He's, you know, his passing skills, his accuracy, his decision making, that's the big question mark. I'd probably look at him more as an undrafted free agent. We will go to Mark Gaughan, followed by Mike Chappell with CBS Indianapolis. Yes, Mel, over the last 10 or 15 years, with uh, players more effectively training for the drills. Do you think the drills, uh, are they as important uh, historically as, as ever, or have they lost a little of their 
um, meaning. Uh, what do you think about that question? That's a good question. I think the, the fact that you can compare players from other eras, uh, you can compare players at each position from year to year to what they do this season at the Combine uh, is important. And obviously to get the, the accurate measurables on the underclassmen is important. Uh, the interviews, the medical is all critical. But I think in terms of the drills, to have that com- comparable number and be able to go back and plug that in and see where those guys figured in is very important because you're going from one level to the next, and those, those numbers do determine a lot about how effective a player is. Next is Mike Chappell and then Ryan Dunleavy with NewJersey.com. Hey, Mel, with uh, the Colts' dire need of a pass rusher at three with Chubb sitting there, if they – would decide maybe to trade back with someone wanting to move up for a quarterback. How deep is the uh, pass rush group? And if they fall back X number of spots, can they? St- if Chubb if Chubb is out of the equation, who are the fallback guys? And how big of a drop off is there between Chubb and the rest? Mike, that would be a risky move because a huge drop off back to Marcus Davenport from Texas San Antonio. So, and after that, there's a big drop-off. So, I think you got to be very careful. If you want the pass rusher, and you, like I said, you have to have one in Indy, he's the best guy by miles, uh, you got to take him. Because if you lose him, then you got to roll the dice on Davenport. And I like Davenport's potential, but he certainly didn't wow people at the Senior Bowl practices. And, uh, you know, he was at Texas San Antonio getting it done, played on his feet a lot. So, he could be a guy can play, you know, as a defensive end, a down end, and play, like I say, as an outside linebacker in situations. But I would think that if Chubb's there, Mike, it would be hard for them knowing that that strong need and the fact that this is a bad, bad year for down defensive ends. Oh, I'm sorry. I was on mute there. Ryan Dunleavy is next, and then Jeff Zreback with the Baltimore Sun. Hey, Mel, looking at the number two pick, why Barkley over the quarterbacks for the Giants, especially with a aging Eli Manning? Is that Barkley? Is that a vote of confidence for Davis Webb? Why is Barkley the right guy there? Well, it's a combination of things. I think it's, it's Barkley and being a really good runner, receiver, blocker, the kind of being a, a missing link because they don't have that right now helping Eli get back to where he was, helping his team turn things around quickly. So that's the decision that they have to make. They're going to new GM, new coach. Do you you build around Eli and help Eli over the next, say, three to five years, or do you go for the heir apparent? That's a tough call. I could could make a case for either one. We'll go to Jeff Zrebeck, followed by Matthew Kawahara with the San Francisco Chronicle. Mel, what does uh, D.J. Moore from Maryland have to show as a prospect at the Combine to continue kind of his ascent, and, and what do you like about him as a player? Just a competitive kid. Uh, I watch a lot of D.J. Moore. Uh, yeah, he makes tough catches look routine. Um, he had the drop in the bad weather late in the year, but outside of that, he's very reliable. Uh, gives you run-after-catch ability. Um, if he runs well and tests well, I think he's a solid second-round draft choice. And I really like I like D.J. Moore. I've talked about him a lot all year. Matthew Kawahara is next, and then Andre Johnson is on deck. I just wanted to ask you quickly about the Oakland Raiders. Uh, how heavily do you see the Raiders just going uh, going defense in this draft uh, from top to bottom? And then I know you have Roquan Smith as their first-round pick right now. If he's off the board at either 9 or 10, where else might they go there? Well, I could be looking whether it's Tremaine Edmonds, the versatile linebacker from Virginia Tech. You know, John Gruden always likes those tall inside linebackers. He loved Zach Cunningham last year, and I think, you know, the Edmonds wouldn't get the edge over Smith for that reason. He's taller. So if Edmonds was there, I think I would mark that down as a possibility. Uh, Roquan Smith, centerpiece of your defense along the inside. So uh, I think either one of those players, Edmonds or Smith, would be exactly what this defense needs and wants. Andre Johnson with PSJ Sports is up, and then we'll go to Philip Heelman with the Florida Times Union. Hey, Mel, two quick questions. First, you have Christian Kurt from Texas A&M falling from 26 down to 32 to, um, to go to the Eagles. What made you drop him, those six spots? And two, which quarterback do you think has the most upside in this draft? Well, I didn't drop him much, and it wasn't anything that he did. It was the fact that you, know, you give Atlanta a different player, well, that's why Kirk drops down to Philadelphia, where I thought he made a lot of sense as a you know, slot receiver, return man, 
Uh, he's got an awful lot of ability. Now, he had a drop or two this year, but the quarterback play was not very effective, so that's, uh, that certainly impacted uh, you know, Christian Kirk. But he's an all—he's a talented. And the thing about Kirk is he's not a diva receiver. He works hard, studies, has that playbook in his hand all the time. He's a, he's a, a hard-working wide receiver. Philip Hillman, followed by Greg Pickle with Penn Live. Mel, you've had the Jaguars taking a tight end so far, but if they were to be interested in quarterback at 29, who's the, an obvious or you know an available option who could be there that big? Well, it would be Lamar Jackson from Louisville. Uh, Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State would be the two uh, that would be intriguing at that point. If you want to go second, third-round quarterbacks, Kyle Lalletta from Richmond, Luke Falk from Washington State, Mike White from Western Kentucky, and Chase Litton from Marshall. So I think there's plenty of options in the first, through the late first through the third, fourth round for quarterbacks for Jacksonville. Greg Pickle is up, and then we'll go to Kyle Meineke with MLive. Hey, Mel, which Penn State player proved the most to you during the All-Star Game circuit, and which one has the most to prove going into the combine? Well, I think the most, you know, I mean, Gusecki, I think, uh, Deshaun Hamilton, first of all, improved himself by the most, uh, the wide receiver. He's now sitting as the, on my board right now as the ninth highest rated receiver. It gives him a third round grade with a chance to maybe be a second. I think, uh, Mike Gusecki, uh, the tight end spot's pretty good. And if Gusecki tests well, you're looking at the fourth tight end off the board, which with two tight ends in the first, that would be Hayden Hurst from South Carolina and Dallas Goddard from South Dakota State. Then Mark Andrews, Oklahoma, is an early second. Gasecki could be a solid second rounder with a good workout. Kyle Meineke is up, and then Bob Condota with the Seattle Times. Hey, Mel. Um, you just called it a, a bad, bad year for down defensive ends. Lions obviously have a, have a need there, and that need will grow. Depending on what happens with uh, Ziggy Ansa, how, how do you see them being able to address that position either in the first or second round? Well, I think bad for the early part. I mean, there's some interesting guys. I mean, Sam Hubbard from Ohio State's a hard worker. Didn't have nearly the year you expected him that. There were some that thought he could be a top 15 pick one into the year. Rasheem Green from USC flashes, if he can be more consistent. Taekwon Lewis, Ohio State, finished the year strong. Um, you know, Jalen Holmes showed pass rush potential. Uh, Chad Thomas at Miami of Florida, he can round off his game as a pretty good pass rusher. So there's guys, you can find some steals as pass rushers late, but uh, you can say some of those guys I mentioned will be better than they're projected to be, which means in the fourth, fifth round this year, you might get yourself a pass rushing defensive end. Bob Condota is up, and then James Crepia with AL.com. Besides uh, Kerwin James, who you have for the Seahawks Saturday team, was there anybody else, you, anything else, or anybody else you, you would think would make sense for them if they stayed at that spot? Well, I think, you know, James, uh, I think it was the guy, a pass rusher like Davenport. Uh, I thought about making him the pick because there's a chance he could be there at 18. They like you know, multiple guys coming off the edge, obviously, in Seattle. They always have. Uh, so I thought about Davenport, but I just couldn't see the number two pass rusher being there all the way at 18. So, so I gave him the Green Bay at 14 and dropped James down to 18. But I think would be a perfect fit as, as a Cam Chancellor type player. So that's the comp. The comp for, for James is Cam Chancellor. James Crepia, followed by Tim Twentyman with the Detroit Lions. Mel, one of your evaluation on four Auburn guys, two guys who got invited to the combine a little lower, uh, uh, Cameron Petway and Stephen Roberts, and then two guys who took part in the Senior Bowl didn't get combined invites, Trey Williams and Trey Matthews. Yeah, they're all, I think they're all late-round possibilities. I think you look at Williams as a chance uh, to be a guy who can make it and be a special teamer. Same thing with Matthews. Uh, yeah, I think in terms of Daniel Carlson, ironically, you have a kicker with a strong leg will be right up there, uh, maybe as the third, fourth, fifth-round pick. Petway, uh, on Johnson will be the first running back taken, obviously, of that Auburn out of the two, I believe. Uh, go back to three or four of the year, began, you would have probably thought Petway. But on Johnson's an interesting second-round possibility. I mean, he's got a first. He's got some explosion. He had a great year for Auburn. I think he's the guy that goes – you know, higher than any of those Auburn Tigers. A Carlton Davis, the corner, could also be in the mix to be a second-round pick. Tim Twentyman is next, and then Rich Scarcella with the Reading Eagles. Hey, Mel, you have a Darius Geis going to the Lions at number 20. Why do you think he's, you know, separated himself as that kind of number two guy um, behind Barkley, and what do you think of this running back class overall? 
It's a really good one, I believe. And he hasn't really separated that. That's just like I say, we talked to some people, that's the feeling you get. It's really between Geis and Ronald Jones, the second from USC, to see who the second running back taken will be. Then you fall in with Sony Michelle from Georgia, Rashad Penny, San Diego State, and Nick Chubb, Georgia. And a guy I like is Naheem Hines from NC State. Caught the ball, kick punt returner, good speed, a good year running the football. Then Mark Walton, unfortunately, had the injury, but he would have been a second-round pick had it not been uh, for that injury this year. And then Royce Freeman from Oregon. So there's some really good backs that you can pick up in the middle round. Next is Rich Scarcella, followed by Patrick Simley with the Chicago Sun-Times. Now, can you give me your evaluation of Penn State defensive backs, Marcus Allen, Grant Haley and Christian Campbell. Yeah, I think the, the two there that are intriguing the most, I think certainly uh, Allen, uh, yeah, a little inconsistent as a tackler, but I thought he throws his body around, showed, I thought, decent enough coverage ability to be a fourth, fifth-round pick. Uh, yeah, I think that's a better range. And Campbell's got the length, and he showed flashes this year of being a second-round pick. So I'd project Campbell now maybe second or third round, and I would project Allen maybe fourth or fifth round. Next up is Patrick Finley and then D. Orlando Ledbetter with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hey, Mel. I, I know you talked about uh, Tremaine Edmonds uh, being able to play inside and outside. Do you, what about him makes you think he could be an every-down outside in a 3-4? And, and is he somebody you think the Bears would take even if Nelson was uh, on the board? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think with Nelson it would be interesting if he were there. I don't think he will be. Uh, but I think Edmonds, certainly, he played both. He had over 100 tackles. He gets after the quarterback. He can bat down passes with his length. Quarterbacks hate inside linebackers with height and length and wingspan, and that's what he provides. So I actually like him better inside. But he can certainly play both. I think he'd be a great fit for the Chicago Bears. And if Nelson were there, it would make it interesting. I just I gave him the seven to Tampa. I could see him going a little bit earlier than that. We'll go to D. Orlando Ledbetter and then Scott Hood. Uh, yeah, Mel, could you uh, discuss Dita V, the big tackle from Washington, and uh, Maurice Hurst, the other tackle from Michigan, uh, and uh, their availability or projected availability at 26 for Atlanta? Yeah, I think Vea will be gone. Vea's is going to test out great. I didn't think he had quite the dominant year I thought he had in the games I watched, but he's a talented kid. I got him to Washington at 13. be shocked if he was there in the late first round. Uh, Maurice Hurst is a, a, a three-technique, one-gap penetrator. Yeah, he doesn't have the kind of size some people are looking for, but if you want a guy who can be a penetrator, a disruptor in the backfield, Hurst is that guy. I thought I had him in the first round before. I thought about him in the late first round. Could have put him there, but bumped him into the early second round. Scott Hood is up, and then we'll go to Eric Williams with ESPN.com Los Angeles. Yeah, thanks, Mel. I have a couple of questions on a couple of Washington State guys. First of all, Luke Falk, did he raise his stock at the senior ball, and what are teams looking for him at the, at the combine? What about a Hercules Monopoly? What does he have to show at the combine? Yeah, but Matavada is a, a versatile pass. You saw him line up everywhere, uh, and that, that's the, the thing. He could like a Rob Ninkovich type who had a great career with the Patriots coming out of Purdue. That's where I see him being. And Luke Falk has kind of patterned himself. as His hero's been Tom Brady. You see a little Brady in that delivery. Very smart, professional is what Luke Falk is. Uh, I think he definitely helped himself this senior ball. I think he went from a guy that people thought maybe a career backup, fourth to sixth round pick. I think now they're thinking second or third round. Next up is Eric Williams and then Nikki Jabalvia with the Denver Post. Yeah, Mel, you had Jerron Payne going to the Chargers in your latest mock draft at 17. I'm wondering what other options you think they'd have at 17 other players you think they might be interested in. Yeah, well, I thought about Vea. I was with Vea. Vea or Payne would be because they could not stop the run. So you want that ability to have a stronger interior on the defensive front, and that's what Payne and Evans, excuse me, Vea and Payne would do. Uh, it would give you exactly that for the Chargers. So I was kind of debating. I ended up going with Payne instead of Bay. I could have flipped them very easily, the Redskin pick uh, with that L.A. Chargers pick, because I really believe that's the, the critical need of this team. They got the pass rushers on the outside with Bosa and Ingram. They need strength in the interior. They need to stop the run a heck of a lot better. Could have gone with an offensive tackle. Uh, you know, Could have gone there with a, a Colton Miller from UCLA or a, a Jaron Christian from Louisville. Uh, you know, I had Miller going to Cincinnati at 12. I had, uh, I had actually Christian going 30 to Minnesota. I think he's going to be a fast riser up the board in the next month or two. 
Next is Nikki Javalia, followed by Jason Wolf with the Tennesseans. Yeah, Mel, if the Broncos land a quarterback in free agency like a Kirk Cousins type, do you think they still go with a quarterback at number five, or do they try to fill another hole on the roster with that spot? No, they went with Cousins. I, I can't assume a, a signing like that, so I had to put Darnold there. But if they bring in Kirk Cousins, I think you're drafting to help your football team. And obviously, when you think about the options you'd have at that point, uh, I mentioned all the players that are available. They, they would have a ton of, of talent staring them in the face. They would definitely go away from quarterback. They would not take Sam Darnold if Kirk Cousins is there. Jason Wolf is up, and then we'll go to Martin Frank with the Delaware News Journal. Hey, Mel, you originally mocked Harold Landry to the Titans at 25. Now you have him dropping out of the first round. I was curious why you made that decision and who the top pass rushers and interior offensive linemen the Titans might consider late in the first. Well, it just didn't have the kind of year expected, Harold Landry. You know, you go back, you want to see improvement, you want to see a dominator. He just didn't show up big in enough games. And uh, that was the reason why Landry is now projected, in my opinion, to be probably possibly a second-round pick. Uh, you know, not a first-round pick. So uh, I think in terms of pass rushers uh, that are intriguing when you look down the line, uh, like I said, Chad Thomas from Miami is the one. I think you could say boomer bust, but he's got upside. And I think if he's there, and I think he will be in the third or fourth round, a Chad Thomas from Miami uh, could be intriguing. Martin Frank is up, and then we'll go to Matthew Fairburn with Syracuse.com. Hi, Mel. You have, um, you have the Eagles going wide receiver you know, with with their first-round pick. And I was kind of curious as to your reasoning for that, as well as how you kind of assess their needs heading into the draft. Thanks. Well, they're, they're pretty good. They're obviously a Super Bowl-winning team. They don't need a lot. Uh, you thought about maybe an offensive t- uh, tackle, but Vitae played well. Um, I think you look at wide receiver, and I think that's got to be up there, and especially when you factor in Christian Kirk's punt-kick return ability. That will be a big bonus. And the fact that he can really help out Carson Wentz. Uh, Carson coming back from that injury. So you, you help out your young quarterback, you get help on special teams in the return game, and uh, and then you wait a little bit. Uh, you wait a little bit for an offensive lineman. It's a pretty deep year at that spot. Uh, you know, if you wait a little bit for a linebacker, uh, that would be another possibility down the line. But I think with that, uh, Christian Kirk will look good, I think, in an Eagles uniform. We'll go to Matthew Fairburn, followed by Rich Samini with ESPN.com. No, I'm curious uh, about the the disconnect, I guess, with Josh Allen being number one, uh, with his completion percentage being around 56%, Lamar Jackson falling out of the first round, and you use that completion percentage as as the big knock against him. I'm I'm wondering if you could get into a little more depth as far as the disconnect there. Well, I think with Lamar, you talk about you know quarterback who uh, you know when you watch the throws, there were some inaccurate throws. People say, well, Josh Allen had some. Or yes, he did. They were tough throws though. He didn't have a lot of the gimmies, the, the layups, you know, the the screens, the tunnel screens, the the bubble screens. He didn't have many of those of any. So I think you look at in a lot of games, he was tested in terms of the throws. He, he lost his center, his running back, his wide receiver, and tight end this year. And yeah, I thought he had a really good season. He improved in a lot of areas. So uh, it's just the nature of that offense is not going to allow for a completion percentage of 65%. If he had those, those, those easy throws, those layups, as I said, he'd have been at 60%. He would have been there. So that, that's why he's not. So I, I think that's why he's still in the mix to be the number one pick overall. Rich Fanini is up, and then Ryan O'Halloran with the Florida Times Union. Now looking at the Jets in the sixth pick, uh, obviously they're not going to pick a safety with Jamal Adams and Marcus May. If they resolve their quarterback issue in free agency and make a Fitzpatrick is the best player on their board, does he have the skills to be a full-time corner in Todd Bowles' system? Yeah, and that's what he was. And then he was a slot corner and a safety. So, yeah, I had him projected there in the mock number one, and I took a lot of heat for it because he said, another safety. he's not a safety. He's a safety if you need him to be. He's a corner if you need him there. So with the Jets, obviously with May and with uh, with Adams, he would be a corner. So yeah, he would be a, definitely a corner with them. Uh, Cleveland, if Cleveland did take him where I project them now, they could look at him at both spots. But for the Jets, he would certainly be a corner. He does have the skill level. I mean, they talk about you know just an instinctive player, a true playmaker uh, that already proved he could play corner at Alabama early in his career. Next up is Ryan O'Halloran, followed by Tom Rock with Newsday. 
Hey, Mel, two tight ends, uh, Hayden Hurst from South Carolina, Mark Andrews from Oklahoma. What are their strengths, and uh, which guy can maybe make a bigger impact as a rookie? Yeah, Mark Andrews is a great pass-catching tight end, H-back. Move him around. Uh, he can stretch the deep middle. He did that with Baker Mayfield time and again, got down the field on deep completions. Blocking is the big issue. Uh, yeah, inline blocking is a big problem. Blocking overall problem. He's got to improve in that area. I just think as a pass catcher, uh, he's a second-round draft choice at worst. Hayden Hurst. Should be a more complete tight end. He's going to be a 25-year-old rookie, obviously. Uh, you think about his skill set, uh, how it compares to, say, a Jason Witten when he came out. I saw a comp there with Witten. I thought about giving him to Dallas at 19, dropped him down to New Orleans, who got very little production at a tight end. Think about all those great years Jimmy Graham had there. Drew Brees would like to have that back. And Hayden Hurst, I, I see, like I say, similarities to Jason Witten. Uh, I think it could be a really good pick for the Saints. Tom Rock is up, and then we'll go to Pat McManaman with ESPN Cleveland. Mel, I wanted to ask you about a couple of small school offensive linemen who will be at the Combine uh, next week. Greg Sinat from Wagner and uh, Timon Paris from Stony Brook. Like them both. Uh, Sinat has the, you know, the basketball background. His brother, the Adrian Sinat, the, the kid from South Florida, defensive tackle, could be in the third round mix. I wrote him up on ESPN.com earlier in the year. Uh, so I think uh, Senat as, as the Wagner offensive tackle could go fourth round. Uh, I think uh, Paris with the injury, I think you're looking probably fourth to fifth round area, like what I saw him too. So I think they're two good players. They're going to play in the NFL, and they could be starters in the NFL in the not-too-distant future. Next is Pat McManaman, and then we'll go to Christopher Walsh with SEC Country. And, uh, I see you're sticking with Josh Allen first overall. Could you see any, a scenario where the Browns could go Barkley first and then take Allen fourth? Yeah, they could. If they have a couple quarterbacks that they have a similar grade on, say two or three of the top four quarterbacks they have a similar grade on, they say, hey, we can get Barkley and we know we're going to get one of those guys at four. They could go that route. So, yeah, I, and I thought about maybe going there, but I didn't want to get too cute with it. But that's something they, that they love a quarterback, and there's one guy separate from the rest you got to take that quarterback. But if you have two or three equal, uh, then you could do that. You could definitely go that. So it depends on how they stack the board on the quarterbacks. Christopher Walsh is up, and then Dave Burkett with the Detroit Free Press. Thank you. Uh, Mel, I wanted to ask about Alabama's three cornerbacks, Anthony Everett, uh, Levi Wallace, and Tony Brown. Which of the three has got the most potential, and it does – one in particular out of the three need a really good combine. Well, I think Averett will be the first of that group drafted. I think second or third round is a distinct possibility for Averett. Um, I think you look at Levi Wallace, the former walk-on, played so well. Uh, Nick Saban raised about the kid from where he was to where he is now. Uh, I think he could be in the, the fifth-round discussion, fifth, sixth-round discussion. I think Tony Brown's a day-three pick as well. But I think Wallace is intriguing because he gives you everything he has. Uh, on the right team, he could be a good backup. But I do think of the three, Averitt has a chance to be a starter. Dave Burkett is next, and then we'll go to Jason Butt with The Telegraph. Hey, Mel, thanks for the call. Um, you mentioned Harold Landry a little bit earlier. Uh, I was just curious, how do you think he would fit in with, like, for the Lions as a Matt Patricia, the Patriots-style defense that they're, they're sort of bringing in? Well, he was fed. I think it's just a question, do you want to take a player at that point at 20, over a running back like Geis or Jones, and knowing that you can get a comparable player like Landry in the second round, and maybe even Landry in the second round. So I just think that's a little high. If you're picking 20, you've got to get one of the top 15 best players in this draft, and unfortunately Landry didn't have the kind of year expected. Jason Butt is up, and then we'll go to David Newton with ESPN.com. Hey, Mel. Uh, two-parter here. Uh, I just wanted to know um, – why do you think Roquan is such a great fit with the Raiders and also um, with, with Isaiah Wynn? What has he done in your mind to uh, warrant himself a first-round selection? Yeah, I think I think uh, Roquan could be the centerpiece of that defense. That's what they need in Oakland. They have Khalil Mack as the outside threat. They need an inside presence, which is what Roquan would be. Uh, I think he'd be a heck of a choice. Isaiah Wynn played guard, then moved to tackle. We'll be back at guard. Senior bowl practice, if you watch him, he was a dominant player. Now, he's only 6'2". He's a pure guard. He's a, Atlanta needs help along the interior, and he would be, a, I think, an immediate starter uh, with the Atlanta Falcons. We'll go to David Newton, followed by Joe Person with the Charlotte Observer. 
Uh, Mel, I wanted to ask you, I know a lot of people saying the Panthers will take a wide receiver in the first round, but assuming they went with a defensive end, what defensive end do you think best would suit them around the 24th pick or might be available? I don't think it's going to fall that way. I'd say if you look at defensive ends at that point, you'd be reaching a little bit. You'd be looking at guys like Sam Hubbard from Ohio State, Rasheem Green from USC. I just don't think it's going to fall that way. If you're looking at a wide receiver, Christian Kirk, uh, Jordan Lashley, if you can say, you actually reconcile the off-the-field issue from UCLA. So I don't think, unless Davenport was there, I don't think they take a defensive end. Joe Person is up, and then we'll go to Alvin Gonzalez with ESPN Los Angeles. Hey, Mel, we're going to go back-to-back Panthers questions here. Uh, sorry about that, but uh, wondering what you think of the Panthers going ahead and, and naming Marty Herney full-time today, and uh, like to hear a little bit more about your thoughts on some uh, some wide receivers late in that first round. Well, I think you, know, you look at Kirk from Texas A&M, uh, James Washington from Oklahoma State uh, would be possible. Calvin Ridley, I'm going 15. There's a chance he could drop down just a bit. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, if you're looking at other wide receivers in the, in the late first, um, I'll tell you, I, thought, I like D.J. Moore from Maryland. I think if he's there, he's going to draw some consideration. I have him more as a second-round pick. Uh, a receiver I haven't talked a lot about, Cortland Sutton uh, from SMU. He would factor, I think, into the mix late one, early two. Uh, you know, he didn't dominate games, take over games the way I'd hoped. He was a little inconsistent. But he could, I think, factor into the late first round if he tests well. We'll go to Alvin Gonzalez, followed by Adam Beasley with the Miami Herald. Hey, um, how would you grade just the overall strength at cornerback in this draft? And I know you linked them to one today. Um, how good do you think the chances are that the Rams can find a solid corner who could start right away um, late on that first round? You know, I think it's going to fall really well for the Rams in the late first round. I really do. I think Josh Jackson... You know, if he were there, he's a 6-3 corner. He's got great ball skills, great awareness. I think he would be uh, definitely in the mix. Uh, Mike Hughes from Central Florida had a great year. Uh, he's a return man, MJ Stewart, North Carolina. Uh, Dante Jackson, LSU is a little raw, uh, but he's talented. He's probably going to run the fastest 40. You know, if any of the cornerbacks uh, in the draft, I would believe. Uh, Carlton Davis from Auburn has the great length at the cornerback spot. Uh, but I think it's going to, like I say, it's going to fall well. There's going to be one of those corners still there. I gave him Jackson. Now, if Jackson runs well, I think he'll be long gone. Uh, if he runs just average, I think he could be there. Adam Beasley is up, and then Jeff Shudell with the News Herald. Uh, Mel, can you explain why uh, you think Josh Rosen's going to fall out of the top ten and why he's a good fit with the Miami at 11? Well, the only reason I dropped him was because I gave Barkley a two. And it got down to a, just a gut feel. Do you give Rosen at six to the Jets and drop Mayfield to Miami, or do you go Mayfield at six and drop Rosen? Rosen, the interviews at the Combine are going to be important to show that he can be a galvanizer, that he's a great leader, that he's passionate and loves the game of football. He'll be the first one in, last one out. We know he's got great intelligence. We know he's a great pure passer. We know all that. But does he have that extra intangible you know, to be the great quarterback he's capable of being. So he could be in the mix to be the second pick, or he could drop down to 11. There's a, a polarization with that whole evaluation and a lot of mixed opinions. I could have put him at six, and, and I don't think anybody would have been questioning that. Uh, I put him at 11 and said it raised some eyebrows, but it was it was just a gut feel. Jeff Shudell is up, and then we'll go to Kirk Kenny. Hey, now, what in your mind separates Josh Allen from the other uh, top quarterbacks in this draft. He has the best arm of anybody in this draft. Uh, he's got tremendous size. He's got tremendous athleticism for a big man. You saw his mobility. You go back to that Iowa game early in the year. Uh, you go to look at the Senior Bowl in that first half and that second quarter, uh, his mobility there. Uh, he's just got all the physical traits you want, athletic prowess. He's got the will to learn. Uh, he's, uh, he's, got a, he's got a great competitive desire on the football field. Um, you know, Craig Bowl raves about him. Uh, he could have not. He could have decided to sit out that bowl game against Central Michigan. He opted to play, and he played really well. Uh, he goes down to Senior Bowl. He didn't have to go down to Senior Bowl. He went down there. 
and he had a, a couple of, the first day he struggled, then he kept getting better and better, was lights out late in the week. Senior Bowl game, he had a decent second quarter, but then he comes out in the second half when he didn't have to, and he lit it up. So he's got, he makes throws that nobody else can make. I drew, I drew comparisons when I watched him to Matthew Stafford. And there were critics of Matthew Stafford when he came out, some questioning why he was going to be the number one pick overall. He was only fifth at 57% and change when he came out of Georgia, not much better than, than what Josh Allen is. So I see a lot of, of, of similarities with, uh, with Matthew Stafford, with Josh Allen. Kirk Kenny is next, and then we'll go to Ben Standing with NBC Washington. Hi, Mel. Could you give your assessment of Rashad Penny, what the combine means for him, and could he move up among the running backs? No question. I mean, I have him right now as the fifth-highest-rated running back. He could end up being the third-highest-rated running back after all said and done, maybe the second-highest-rated. He's got the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. He had a really good career returning punts and kickoffs. He ran the ball extraordinarily at, at San Diego State. And you say, well, the defense has allowed some of that. Yeah, they did. But he was spectacular. Uh, I think he's at worst a mid-second-round pick, could be an early-second-round pick. Ben Standig is next, and then Mary Kay Cabot following. Uh, Mel, thanks for your time. You've got the Redskins taking uh, Via at number 13, but uh, you also you know, mentioned that uh, Payne from Alabama is somebody that could be in the mix. What do you see as the difference between those two guys in particular, and how they would fit with the Redskins. And then I guess also, uh, Raekwon Smith, you've got going at uh, 10. If he were to fall inside linebackers, a position the Redskins would need, how would you assess him in that context with, you know, among those uh, options? Thank you. Yeah, that's a good call because I was thinking about going with Raekwon Smith. And when I didn't, I thought about going with Rashawn Evans. Uh, the linebacker from Alabama, who gives you great versatility. So I very easily could have gone that route, went with Vea, because I think that interior presence is needed. Uh, Payne could have been a possibility there. I thought Payne, you know, to me, could end up, depending upon how he tests, because Vea could test off the charts, Payne could go ahead of Vea. I, I, that was a tough call for me. In fact, I flipped them at the last moment. Uh, but I thought Smith or Evans would be good, good picks for the Redskins for the reason you gave. It's a neat area. Uh, you know, Smith would be a good value pick. I don't think it's too high for Evans, uh, who can give you that inside presence. He can move outside and give you pass rush on third down. Uh, yeah, I think uh, don't count out Rashawn Evans there. Uh, he's, he's deserving of being a top 20 pick. Mary Kay Cabot is up, and then we'll go to John Nio with the Detroit News. Um, now, so many people that I talk to still have uh, a concern over that 56.2 or 56.3 completion percentage of Josh Allen's in college, and then also, is there anything that can happen at the Combine uh, in your mind that could enable a Sam Darnold or a Josh Rosen to overtake him on your uh, number one spot in Browns? Yeah, Mary, no question about it. It's, it's a very fluid situation there. Nobody's etched in stone, especially when you have the strong competition with, with uh, the quarterbacks at the top that you do. None of them are perfect. They all have some red flags. And for Allen, he's got to be accurate at the combine and pro day. And uh, if people see that and they see the footwork improvement and they see the delivery, which he can snap it from the ear, he can go, he can, he has different arm angles he can throw from like Matthew Stafford does. Um, he's going to test off the charts. He's got the big hand and all that. Um, physically, he looks like a big-time quarterback. If he makes wow throws and, and does a great job from a consistency standpoint, people are going to are going to turn their heads and they're going to. It's going to be tough to pass him up. He, he can Mary Kay can make it very difficult to pass up if he if he wows you over there because he's already done it. He's won games. He's the two years in a row he won at Wyoming, which isn't easy. Um, so yeah, yeah, he could be a guy that benefits tremendously in terms of just. I would say eliminating that concern because some people are always going to say, I'll never take a quarterback under 60%, just like some people say, I'll never take a quarterback under 6'2", which eliminates Baker Mayfield from the equation for some people. But, uh, you, know, you know, Josh Allen's got physical and athletic skills that nobody else has at the quarterback position in this draft. When you combine all the traits, he's got the best of anybody. We'll go to John Nio, followed by Ryan Hannibal with WEEI. Would you mind checking John Nio's button, his his mic? Mr. Nio, uh, please check your mute button on your phone. He may have stepped away. Okay. 
Let's go to Ryan Hannibal with WEEI. If, if the Patriots go with a quarterback with, at the end of the first round or early in the second round, who are some options that you see there being available? Well, I'm taking Dante Jackson, the corner from LSU. A little raw, and he's a little more polished, but you, know, you coach him up and New England would, obviously, then you got a talented kid. Uh, who's got great speed, great recovery ability, can flip his hips and run with anybody. So he's the kind of guy I think would be definitely there uh, as a possibility. MJ Stewart from North Carolina, solid football player, veteran. Uh, Carlton Davis has the length out of Auburn. And then I guess you have guys like Isaiah Oliver, Colorado, and Jair Alexander, Louisville. If Alexander would have been healthy all year, I think he would have been, I wouldn't say a guaranteed first, but he would have certainly been in more, in working, uh, more of a consideration for Alexander in the first round had he been healthy all year. Next up, we'll go to Joey Kaufman with the Orange County Register, and then followed by Mark Wogenrich with the Allentown Morning Call. Mel, the, the recent track record for USC quarterbacks hasn't been spectacular in the NFL. When, when teams look at Sam Darnold, how much of that will factor into their evaluation, just the fact well, that you look, guys. Yeah, you look at Mark Sanchez and you look at the, you know, Matt Leinart, obviously, and some other quarterbacks, uh, you know, going down the line a little bit here, uh, no, even of late. Uh, yeah, but I think you look back at, at Carson Palmer, you know, they had a really good career. Um, yeah, I don't think you, they're individuals. It's different offenses, different coaching, different players around them. I don't think uh, the history of, of, of Leinart and uh, and of uh, you know of Sanchez is going to impact how people view Sam Darnold. I think the, the whole Sam Darnold situation is based on having a shaky year, based on being the number one pick by a mile going in. That raised some concerns because you saw greatness potentially after uh, after his 2016 campaign, and this year he fell back. Now, do you excuse it away to the line and to the receivers, or, or what do you call those unforced errors? How do you excuse them away? So I think Darnold's a tough evaluation if you can – just say, hey, it just didn't work for me. Got into some bad habits that we can, we can, uh, you know, just we can find a way to to remedy that. Then you take him because I tell you, two years ago and even in the Texas game this year, he looked like a guy who was going to be special. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to be consistent the whole year. If you look at that Washington State, Notre Dame, and Ohio State game, those were the three games that made you shake your head and scratch your head and say, what's going on here? Because there were a lot of unforced errors in those games. Mark Rogenrich is next. Well, considering his film and his reputation from college, what will NFL personnel be looking for from Saquon Barkley at the Combine, and what does the Combine mean for him? Well, I think for Saquon, he should test well. Uh, Just an exclamation point uh, is what it is for these guys that are at the top and are great football players. It's exactly what that is. Uh, it, it's the show Explosion. You saw Alvin Kamara with a 10-11 broad jump and a 39-and-a-half vertical last year. And he didn't have a great 40, but he showed great explosiveness. That's why, uh, to me, broad jump and vertical were very important. So uh, in terms of Saquon, he's got great lower body strength. We know that. Uh, powerful kid in the lower body. That's why he breaks tackles. He can stop on a dime and make people miss. Uh, catches the ball out of that. I mean, he does all that. I think I think you would expect him to have a really good work. And if he does, like I say, it, it solidifies him as either the top player in this draft or certainly one of the top three or four players in this draft. Unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for today. Thanks so much to you media members for joining us. And please keep an eye out for future media conference call advisories. I promise there will be more to come in the days ahead. So thank you again. I do apologize that we couldn't get to everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, this does conclude today's conference. We appreciate your participation.